You are listening to the Double Scoop Podcast on KWNK 97.7 FM, Reno Community Radio. I'm your host, Chris Wagner. Our guest today is Melissa Malero Moose, artist and co-founder of the Great Basin Native Artists. Melissa Malero Moose is in the KWNK studio on the Double Scoop Podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, you have so many jobs. We gotta, I, I need your help explaining what you do. You're an artist. You are the co-founder of the Great Basin Native Artists. You have like 100 other irons in the fire. What are all your titles? Oh, gosh. You didn't ask me to bring a list, but um, <laughs> uh, I am doing uh, curating over at the Great Basin Native Artists Gallery over with the Stuart Indian School Cultural Center mm-hmm. and Museum. And... Gosh, I kind of just stick my my toe into a couple of different things when people ask me to. And that would be uh, curating for side events like the show that we're in right now, the Our Place in Space over at the new Savage Mystic Gallery over yeah. on Mid- in Midtown. You and I were talking back in 2018, and I mentioned that I had seen this article in the New York Times. The headline was, the hand of Native American women visible at last. So the article asserted that Native women artists are finally having their day in the museum world as like curators and in big shows nationally. And you were like, mm, not so fast. You, you, you and I talked then about how Native women artists don't really have the recognition that they deserve and that the art world shouldn't be congratulating itself so fast. So what, uh, two years later, that was in 2019, what is the landscape of representation and recognition look like now from your point of view? Any progress? Well, COVID definitely slowed that down big time. Me personally, I had many shows that were canceled. And if you would have asked me that question and two years later under normal circumstances, I would have been, oh, yes, wonderful. I had all these shows. But I think uh, in general, it's a slow process. It's It really yeah. is. And I mean, we're talking from, I guess, women in arts, you know, and what like the Gorilla Girls are doing to um, if you're talking about Native arts, it's really slow. I mean, we're sort of indigenous arts, bottom of the list, you know, especially when it comes to getting collected. And you don't really get collected unless you are in shows and if you have publications for those shows. If my son were to go to art school right now and try to go find some art books about Great Basin Native artists, uh, let alone female Great Basin artists, that wouldn't be possible. I mean, he could find some basketry books maybe, but basically until I write that book... (laughs) You can't study us or find us or it's it's a process. Yeah. And you, can you talk a little bit about what you have been doing to, well, you've been collecting so much information and you've been archiving and, and it sounds like you work hard to solve this problem. Uh, well, um, I guess by default that all of that happened. I was, I think when we started the group, uh, when I moved back here in 2011, 2014, officially, it was just sort of collecting artists so that we could, if somebody were to say, hey, you guys want to do a show, <laughs> you know, in my dream, that we could say, yeah, we have this, you know, great list of artists and we have all these, you know, we have contemporary artists and traditional artists and artists, you know, that we could put, you know, real shows together. Also from historical arts that we have from people, that's mostly the collections that Nevada State Museum and places like that have. So I think 
could put, you know, real shows together um, also from historical, you know, arts that we have um, from people. That's mostly the collections that, you know, like Nevada State Museum and places like that have. So as far as the, the archive goes, it's been... I think, I think just happening by accident as I was accumulating sort of a, a unofficial directory for the for artists that I knew, I knew in the area, and then it branched out further to, to the region. And then just somehow, some way, we got involved with uh, Nevada Museum of Art. I mentioned this project and sort of bigger project that we wanted to get this uh, unofficial artist directory to be uh, maybe an archive and hopefully a book someday. And Ann Wolf from the Nevada Museum of Art was totally on board and went out of her way to get, uh, get me a fellowship to do this archive officially. You're ready. Like, you're ready if some museum comes knocking on your door and says, Melissa, throw a show together for us. You, yeah. Like, you can, you're, you're there, right? In theory, yeah. And I actually am or have been proposing to bigger museums some of these shows. But when you are preparing artists, and this is, goes for regional artists, any artists, if you've never had shows or if you've never had opportunities, you're not prepared. You need art business lessons. You need to know how to get your bio out and your artist statement out and photograph your work. If you've never been put in a position to need all of those things, that's sort of what you need to get to that next level. When those opportunities start coming in hordes, <laughs> that um, will be the experience that they will have so that we can put some real professional shows together. This would be a good time to explain exactly what Great Basin Native Artists is, because I think that's a lot of the work that you do, right? Yeah. So I guess most of it in the beginning was just finding the artists, doing a lot of uh, outreach to the community. We would do these things called info booths where we would sit at an event, whether it be a powwow or an art event, actually right next door at a Holland Project. We did a info booth where me and Ben Alec, one of the Great Basin Native artists, would sit and just introduce ourselves to people who were interested, um, have them sign up on the mailing list, and every time we had an event, we would invite people and we would meet more and more artists. And from those lists and from those interactions, we would, um, you know, reach out to them and, and make sure that they are invited to our workshops, art business workshops, and different events that we were having. And that was back in, in 2014 that started, right? Mm -hmm. And how now, seven years later, it's a pretty big group, isn't it? Well, it, it has sort of morphed into um, people, well, since I've been able to reach out to people that are, are officially Great Basin artists, uh, originally from here, say Paiute, Washoe, Shoshone, and just like a long list of, of regional tribes, and they don't necessarily live here. So some live in Chicago or New York or Santa Fe, and they send me their work to participate. They can't necessarily be involved in a lot of the administrative stuff or attend our art business workshops and stuff, but they are totally involved. So as a collective, it's sort of turned into almost virtual, which uh, totally worked for the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, did you have ex experience like a lot of groups where uh, you suddenly 
figured out how to do things remotely and suddenly figured out new technologies. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, a struggle, I'm sure, like everybody else had, you know, figuring out Zoom. And then also we, a lot of our members are elders. So, you know, the whole technology thing was just like, oh, man. But people caught on really fast and it was a, gr- a great excuse to learn our skills, hone yeah. in on our technical skills. Do you have any like 80 year olds who are like Instagramming now or anything? Um, I probably have a couple. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly, because I'm not on social media, not for any particular reason right now. We did have the group up and going and, and mine and I just couldn't handle all of the stuff. So I decided just to do the websites for me and the group and been sending me emails saying, hey, this is my handle. And so I'll just put their link on there, which makes it so easy. Glad one thing got easier in 2020 of the million things that didn't. <laughs> okay, this this is another long question. Hang in there with me. <laughs> long question. <laughs> An exhibition that you organized is now up at the Wapai Shone Gallery at the Stewart Indian School in Carson City. The show is called Beads, Indigenous Beadwork of the Great Basin. You and I talked about this show early in the summer, and I'm supposed to be writing a review of it for Double Scoop. I am embarrassingly far behind on getting this article filed to begin with, and I have to admit now I'm kind of stuck because when I picked up the article a couple of weeks ago to work on it, there had just been a summer's worth of news about mass graves at Indian boarding schools in the U.S. and Canada, and somehow we're only just starting to be properly appalled by this this year. And now I'm having a hard time figuring out how to talk about all of this beautiful beadwork that you collected because it's showing in this beautiful little museum that you used to be an Indian boarding school. So now there's this elephant in my room. Like, do I talk about the mass graves? Do I just talk about the beads? Do I not talk about the, the, the you know, brutal history of boarding schools? And I'm not going to ask you to answer that question for me. What I want to ask you is, as an artist and a curator and a Northern Paiute, do you feel like you always have to be making this decision that I'm trying to make right now? Like, are you always going like, how much do we bring in the whole context of like this genocide and trauma? Or how much do we just move forward and not discuss that right now? Like, is this, is this like an everyday decision that you have to make? Gosh, well, I guess so. I, since I'm so used to it, a lot of the times when people do ask me questions or, or I, I do interviews, I do have to edit a lot, you know, because I have a lot to say. And um, gosh, when I'm at the museum, when I'm doing tours, I'm, you know, I'm watching over the gallery, but I'm also helping with the main museum part. And I'm a descendant of uh, alumni from the museum dating back to the beginning uh, 1900s. And my mom comes in and uh, does the tours um, as well. And, you know, I listen to her do the tours and I have my own sort of memory of her talking about it just growing up and stuff. So, you know, it it just it depends on the person asking the you know, people come into that museum to find out about the history. And, I, you know, I tell them as much as they, uh, I guess, want to know. You know, I, I don't go, uh, I mean, I can't drag you through, you know, 1492 and genocide. And this. and they're like just there for a half an hour or something, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, it's a long, long story. And, um, you know, that's what a museum like that is there for. You know, I send them back to the main exhibit and say, if you have any questions, 
let me know. Um, when it comes to talking about our group and our artwork, um, you know, it, it's sort of the same thing. If people have questions, I'm definitely going to tell you what I know and how I feel and how I react to some things. But on the regular, I just kind of give you the information yes. <laughs> and let you deal with it how you will. I, I think I've learned just from, you know, living my life, too, if I talk too much about things, um, even to people that I'm really close to, it yeah. um, it just gets too uncomfortable. I mean, you know, not with everybody, but some people just, you know, d don't want to deal with it. And, and, and it may be some sort of, you know, guilt or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and, and I personally feel like, you know, they shouldn't, you know, non-Native people shouldn't have guilt. You know, it wasn't a part of their generation that, that did all of this. And um, I got asked that question actually a, a, a while ago at a um, conference, I think. And, and one of the first questions, somebody stood up and asked this really hard question. And he was like, you know, do you, are you guys, are you all angry at us? You know, or can, how can you even stand? You know, and it was like, I can't remember what I said because I probably just blanked out. But whatever I said... I was comfortable with, you know, because it was like, I, no, I'm not mad. We're not mad. It's, you know, it's a part of history. One thing that I am angry at is that history being hidden. You know, when most people come into the museum and say, I've never heard of this. That's what makes me mad. So who do we blame there? Mm. You're listening to the Double Scoop podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and on our Nevada news site, doublescoop.art. I'm your host, Chris Wagner. Our guest today is Melissa Malero Moose. Let's talk about your own artwork. You are you're such a busy board member and mom and organizer, and, but you make your own work too, and we, we don't get to see it a whole lot out there. Do you even get to spend much time in the studio making your own paintings? I do. I don't really know how, but uh, I was just telling someone the other day, I was like, uh, when I get you know deadlines, that helps. If I have a show in the fall, then I've got to get to it. And usually I get enough, you know, ample time to prepare for something and make sure I have a deadline. <laughs> Savage Mystic Gallery, it's a new place. It's in Midtown Reno. And it was opened by Catherine Savage. She calls herself a mystic painter or a spiritualist painter. And she told me that she wanted to have a place for spiritual artwork of of many kinds. And that's where your your work is a couple of months later after the gallery opened. Can you talk a little bit about what role spirituality has in your own work? I was just talking to her at the reception that we just had on the 18th, and she asked me a good question that nobody had asked me. She asked me what the name of the title or the title of the exhibit, Our Place in Space, meant. And I told her that I have a prayer that I say every day that thanks the creator for our place in space and our place in time. And it just means literally that. Well, on a side note, I used to be a, um, uh, like work with foster kids and do social work and travel social work. And I used to always tell the kids that they were the only them in the world in this place in time, you know, and it, it makes you special, but it's true. I mean, it's so simple, but it's, this is our place in space and our place in time, and we're grateful for it. That's a great way to validate a, a kid's concerns. That's a great way to think about that. That's your prayer every night. Yeah. That's so lovely. 
And how how does that work in in painting? Is it something you're like thinking about or trying to convey as you're painting, or is it more uh, like a less less direct connection? Well, I I mean I love nature. I love animals. I love you know just being out and about and in this beautiful place in the Great Basin. There's so many beautiful, colorful places and. I think I just take all of those memories and all of those sort of tangible things like willow and pine nuts and and sand and rocks and water, and I just somehow combine it all to have that sort of essence on canvas. And let's talk a little about what your artwork actually looks like for people who can't see it on the radio. So abstract work, paintings, colorful, but not like bright Roy Lichtenstein colors, but not like super muted sagebrushy colors either, just pretty colors. You use natural elements and you, and you don't just paint them, you actually pick them up and, and put them into the on the canvas, they're, they're glued on or secured on. What else would you say to describe to somebody who hasn't seen your, your paintings, what they actually look like? Well, I, I think when you look at uh, realist paintings, you know, you you see the colors of our lakes and you the colors of our trees and the colors of the ground out here. And so lots of browns, lots of blues, lots of greens. And, and then I'm also putting uh, some of my, right now the series that I work on is a, a basketry in influence, you know, series. So there's a lot of basket texture. And I put willow, uh, which we make the baskets out of. I put pine nuts, which you put in the baskets and uh, sort of rearrange them in sort of an abstract way on the canvas. They just look great. I'm so glad we get to see them here and there. And I think you have a few pieces up in the Lily Museum collection too, don't you? Yeah. And you're going to be showing your work in Las Vegas in a little while. I don't know too much about this show. I know it's an exhibition and a symposium. It's called Awani. It starts in November at UNLV. Tell me more. What are your plans for that event, and how will you participate in it? Awani in Southern Paiute means balance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, but but Fawn Douglas, the uh, one of the curators, she, you know, told me that uh, she just wanted me to put in she chose me because of the artwork that I do. And she said, you know, put in anything that you want to, because all of the pieces represent, you know, me as an indigenous woman, putting my my heart and soul onto, you know, into this visual and bringing my sort of culture along and, you know, my love for creation. And so I think some of the pieces actually haven't decided. Um, I have to edit down uh, what I'm going to send to them this week. But I do have one piece that sort of represents how the gathering of basketry with willow and how we sort of run into these barbed wire fences a lot when we're trying to gather, whether it be the pine nuts, uh, the pine nut trees, or the, or the willow. Gathering has gotten harder and harder. Well, what's the story there? Are you finding, like, have you found fences, you know, just came up because there were, were property lines that weren't there before or what what what's happened what's the history there well I mean that for me and definitely for you know legacy of uh, these basket makers you know they've run into over time you know when I was a little kid we would try and um, gather asparagus and you know we would be sort of picking picking and then you'd run into a barbed wire fence and you just kind of pick a little further and a little further and then you know you take take like you know you open up the barbed wire and you kind of step through and Sometimes you, you're okay and nobody sees you, and other times, 
get off my property. You heard that as a little kid? Uh, yeah, <laughs> many times. No, but and and then there's other people who you know are like you know uh, would come out and say you guys are welcome to come out here and do whatever you want. But you know there there are fences where there weren't fences before. Yeah, yeah. What else do you have coming up? I am, oh, I am going to probably take down the bead show pretty soon here, mid to the end of October, and um, putting up a basketry show, which is similar to the intertwined show that we had at CR Arts a couple of years ago, where it is influenced by basketry, but we're going to show the different mediums that different artists are putting basketry designs and texture on. I think I remember somebody weaving with telephone cord or or like a usb cable or something right yeah it was like well one of them had was like this really thick uh wire cable and she did this like giant burden basket um and then i had another artist who was kind of interwove her earphone her ipod earphone into the cedar basket that she had so yeah well, we're gonna have a, maybe some pieces like that and then my pieces that have the basketry texture and stuff our galleries super tiny, probably about, you know, 12 by 12 or something like that. But we have uh, cases and stuff. So I ended up putting a, a lot of miniatures, just like the bead show. There's a lot of miniatures in there. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. It is great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. You've been listening to episode 12 of the Double Scoop podcast. I'm your host, Chris Wagner. Our production engineer is Nico Wagner. Big thanks to Reno singer-songwriter Greg Gilmore for lending us the music. It's a clip from his song, Who Am I? Melissa Malero-Moose has been our guest today. You can see the exhibition she curated, Beads, Indigenous Beadwork of the Great Basin, in the Wapai Shun Gallery at the Stewart Indian School and Cultural Center in Carson City through mid-October. Melissa's work is also part of Awani, an exhibition curated by Fawn Douglas at the Donna Beam Gallery at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. That show is on view through December 10th. The Double Scoop podcast is recorded at the always hospitable studio of KWNK 97.7 FM, Reno Community Radio. This episode received support from the Nevada Arts Council and the National Endowment for the Arts. Tune in next week to hear my interview with Vivian Zavataro from the Lilly Museum at UNR. If you're a new listener and you enjoyed our discussion today, welcome. If you'd like to hear more, check out our past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at doublescoop.art. Thanks for listening. <laughs>